of 2023, different music or podcast um, sites have come up with something they've called recaps, right? I don't know whether you have heard of them, but if you are like me, it's probably that you have listened to, you've, li you've checked that uh, top 10 list of songs and you've wondered whether, how certain songs made to that particular list. And you wondered, this song, was I actually listening to this song or probably this particular podcast? And it's easy that you would realize that at the end of any particular year, we want to move on to the next thing. We want to craft the next big, hairy, audacious goals what to our vision boards, your vision boards is already set, um, and you want to look forward to what God will do in your careers, in your marriages. You probably have ideas on how spirit, what spiritual disciplines you'll take up, you, and we pretty much forget to look back and see what God has done. It's likely that your calendar between January 2024 and April is pretty much full, because you've actually forecasted what you'd want to do. But my hope today is that I want us just to take some time to reflect and as we reflect, I pray that we will have a refreshing time of acknowledging that God is good. But also, it's interesting to see that a lot happens in one day, right? But also a whole lot more happens in one year. Yet in a fast-paced world, the memories once cherished seem to fade away. And with little or no reflection, we soon enough move on, forgetting what God did, and we end up in this endless cycle of us praying honestly to God, us trusting in him, God working in us, and then at the end of the year, what do we do? We move on and we have another new list of thanking him. So I don't know where you are with regards to this one year, but as I was preparing, I thought of three major categories of people, probably amongst us. We've listened to many, many testimonies, but probably for some of us, it's not natural for us to say, thank you, God. Probably our hearts are not in that particular place yet. But the first category that I have thought about is that firstly, there are some of us, this has been the best year just yet. This year has been filled with tons of good things. Probably it's the year you got married. Probably the year you got a job. Probably the year that you grew in your personal work with Christ. Probably the year that you joined Mamlakia Chapel Roca and you are like, oh my God, what a community this church is. Probably the year that you got your first, second, or third child. Our baby dedications have proven that the Lord has been faithful to us in that particular way. Probably the year that you got into that particular career path and your path now is clearly defined and you're just waiting on third to hit the ground running and continue with the year. And probably the song that would pretty much capture your space is, see how far you've brought me. Eze, ebube. I can see, I can tell, and, and I know it's by what? By his grace. Secondly, there's a second category of people who this year has just passed by. Nothing much has happened. Probably it's been the year that the status quo has reigned. Probably one of your prayers that you really sought God weren't answered, and you felt like God had just bypassed you. Probably it's the year that you didn't get that promotion. Probably the year that you didn't get back to do that master's that you desired to do. Probably the year that you decided to say, today I'm going to have a vision board. And that vision was just but a vision. Probably the year that that potential godly relationship didn't bud. And pretty much, you're just there, not able to count anything. And probably the song that you really hope to, to encourage you is the song by by one, uh, it says, Huniach. Umeahidi ewe bwana? Huniach. And probably that's the song that you're holding on to as you end the year, that mungu najua ujanifaya nini? Hujaniacha. And for the third category, for some of us, this year has been tough. It's been the toughest year. With the routonomics and the taxes and all the things that have happened, you've experienced luck, injustices, betrayal, suffering, loss, and grief. Probably it's the year that you are deeply hurt in many ways that you'd ever think 
and for some reason you dread 2024. You wonder when people will be saying Happy New Year, Happy New Year, and as we see fireworks on the skies and everyone is jubilating and posting statuses of what a great year 2024 will be, you have this subtle sense of doubt and sorrow. And the song that pretty much will capture you is a song by Don Moyne that says, Lord, you seem so far away, a million miles or more, it feels today, and you long to sing, I will sing, I will praise in this pain. I don't know where you are. I don't know whether you're in the first category, the second category, or the third, but my hope today is to encourage you and to ask the Lord to help us, to speak, us, speak to us in our varied and unique spaces, and whether you are grateful or weary, that you'd find rest in Christ alone, and that you'd see God at work and praise him. And my prayer is this, that at the end of our time today, as, we, as we've sung, as we've worshipped, as we've listened to the different uh, testimonies, that all of us will turn back to God in praise with those who have tested his goodness and that will choose to wait patiently in earnest with those who are waiting, with, uh, waiting for him. And ultimately, we will encourage those who are anxious and in distress that God cares for them and that their pain and suffering will not be wasted. Paul gives us a very interesting verse that I want us just to look at it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. Probably you've listened to this before. It says, rejoice what? Always. I hope probably the media team will put it. It says, rejoice. Always. It says, pray continually. And it says, give thanks in all circumstances. And then it says, for this is whose? God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The joy is always. The prayer is continual. And what happens to Thanksgiving? It is in all circumstances. For us to be able to have joy always at all times, for us to be able to pray continually, showing our total dependence to God, acknowledging that only he can hold us fast, and the only way that we can go back and give thanks to him in, in, in all circumstances, we have to acknowledge God's will. We have to know that all these things is that this is God's will for us. But sometimes it's easy to say thank you to God, it's easy to say thank God, and yet not have God in view. Probably for some of us, as you looked forward to the weekend, you have said, thank God it's Friday, right? And when you say, thank God it's Friday, you don't, you don't usually have God in view. You don't look forward to Sunday and you're like, thank God it's Friday, I'm looking forward to hang out with God's people. You say, thank God it's Friday as a form of relief to the weekend. And therefore, for us to be able to turn our eyes and rejoice always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances, we have to have God's perfect and pleasing will in view and see our current realities, our days, our minutes, our year, 2023, through the lenses of his never-ending character and his good nature. And my hope today is just to reflect on three points and hopefully look at prayers of thanksgiving that other saints in the Old Testament did and hopefully find our find a place in our hearts to burst forth in gratitude and in thanksgiving to God. And to my first point, the first thing that we can actually go back and hold on to, should we have to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances, we have to remember that God is sovereign over all things. We have to remember that God is sovereign over our 2023. Looking back, probably the year, with its joys, sorrows, with its valleys, hills, and opportunities, with its hardships and all that happened, it's easy to look at what happened and give credit to yourself. It is easy for you to finish the year and give yourself a pat on the back and say, I had an amazing vision board. 
kudos. I had my first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, and therefore I celebrate me. I want to thank me for 2023. But let's forget, let's not go ahead of ourselves and forget that God is sovereign over all. Ecclesiastics 3 will tell us that there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. It is God who determines each and everything. Uh, Psalms 27, as it was earlier alluded by one of the, one, one of the congregants who just testified, that unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watched over you, unless the Lord saved you, unless the Lord healed you, unless the Lord made his promises known to you, unless the Lord granted you the ability to obey him when trials and tribulations came your way, unless he did comfort you in your time of grief, unless who? The Lord, we would do it in vain. And therefore, at the view of our thanksgiving, I don't know whether you look through your life and through the lenses of what has happened through the year, through the lenses of God's sovereignty, that God was sovereign over 2023. And one of the things that is quite interesting as you reflect on the prayer of Daniel, Daniel in Daniel chapter 2 from verses 2, 19 to 23, this was the time when he hoped that God would reveal to him the dream of the king. And after God answered his prayer, this is what he says from verse 17. He says, Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from God of the heaven concerning the mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then verses 19, During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a, in a vision. Then Daniel did what? Praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. What does he say again? Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He says he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells within him. And then verses 23, what does he say? I thank and praise you. God of my ancestors, what have you done? You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. See the thanksgiving prayer that Daniel makes. Daniel doesn't come to God and say, Mazeni God. He starts by saying, praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are who? Are his. He goes ahead and explains that God is in charge of every time and season. And sometimes we find it easy to, to thank God generally. We come to God and say, Lord, thank you for good health. We come to him and say, thank you for a good job, right? We come to, to him and say, thank you for the good year. We come and say, thank you for my good marriage. But yet we forget when we pray, what do we do? We come with specificity, with clarity, with bullet points, with lists, with sticky notes here and there, with end notes and post notes for God not to remember these particular things, but when it comes to thanksgiving, we thank him for the gift, but forget him, the giver of the gift. We don't come to him and say, Lord, you are good. You have been consistent with your nature. You are sovereign. You have ordained all things to work right for me, and for this reason, what do I do? I praise you. And therefore, Daniel comes to him acknowledging that God is powerful, that he is the one who gives wisdom, that he's the one who changes times and seasons. I don't know how this year has been, but as I go through this sermon, would you just reflect on how has God worked out his own will and good plan for you? In what ways would you recall that he has been faithful to you 
How has he proven to comfort you to be a sustainer, to be a healer? Have you taken opportunity just to reflect on how he rebuked you? How he caused you to see your sin and caused you and led you back to himself? Have you just taken a pause and said, Lord, great is your faithfulness. Thank you for the new mercies that you gave me. How he has provided for you um, through his goodness. Would you choose just to take some time and recount all the joys that God has given you and count it all joy when you faced many trials and tribulations that came your way and how those trials and tribulations out of God's sovereign will for you produced faith, produced endurance, produced maturity in you. Would you just take some time and reflect on that as, as we end this year, that God has been faithful and therefore at the heart of us rejoicing always, praying continually and giving thanks in all circumstances, We've got to remember that God is sovereign. And should it be that there's something that you're looking back and you're feeling like, oh God, I can't make sense of my 2024, my 2023 experience wasn't as good, would we choose to reflect and thank God for his perfect and pleasing sovereign will over you that he did for the praise of his glorious name. Now secondly, to a second point, for us to do all those three things, being joyful always, giving thanks in all circumstances, we definitely have to remember that every good and perfect gift to you this year is from our Heavenly Father. Every good and perfect gift to you this year is from our Heavenly Father. James 1, 16 to 17 says this. It starts by saying, Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. But verse 7, 16 starts by saying, but you should not do what? Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. It precedes this particular verse. And it's interesting that sometimes amidst the pain, loss, lack, grief, strained relationship and our, in quotes, answered prayers or our seasons of waiting, we are likely not to see the good and perfect gifts that God has given us. And sometimes as we end the year, we cross over the next, this year into the next with resentful hearts towards God. Fixated in probably what he did not do, looking at his deeds with discontent and judging, his, judging him for how imperfect he was in providing, in leading, in answering, and in causing you to walk in the path that you managed to walk. And sometimes like a little child who walks into Carrefour, we... We, we fight and we desire to have that little kinder joy. And we say, we really need this. This is what we want. Yet, like that little child, we forget that mommy and daddy have been providing endless, sumptuous breakfasts year in, year out. And therefore, we are fixating that little thing that probably God hasn't done. And therefore, we end up convincing ourselves that God is not faithful. We forget his eternal blessings, his precious promises to us, how he has sustained you, how he has worked with you, how he has provided for you. And therefore, in that, we choose to be deceived. And we choose to be deceived, and we choose to believe that he wasn't faithful enough, he wasn't gracious enough, he wasn't good enough. And in doing so, what we do, actually, we question the character of God, and we ask, is he really God? Is he really worthy of our worship in the next year? And sometimes we put God on a scale and rank his goodness and give him a less than average score and plead with him in prayer while grumbling to upgrade his delivery standards to our prayers the next year, and probably we give up on him and move on, doubting his character and his love. 
I don't know what, God, what gifts God has given you this particular year. I don't know what things that God has done in his perfect sovereign will for you. And the question here is, are you willing to turn back to him in praise and in thanksgiving, lifting up your hands to him in praise? As I reflected on this, I felt led to reflect on Hannah's prayer. We all know what Hannah had gone through. In, Hannah, in, in, in 1 Samuel, sorry, chapter 1, we see she goes ahead in chapter 1, verses 10. It says, In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you, will not, if, if, you, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the doors of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Hannah makes a prayer and says, I need this child so badly. But here is my prayer. This is your gift. Should you fulfill this desire, I will give this gift back to you. And later on in verses 27, it says, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he shall be given over to the Lord. And then it says, and he worshiped the Lord there. Then verses chapter 2, we see her prayer. We see her prayer, how she goes ahead and pours her praise to God. But not just to focus on the two verses that begin there, for the interest of time, it says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord my horn is lifted high, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. Then he goes to the second thing, he says, There is no one holy like the Lord, there is no one besides you, there is no rock like our God. Just looking at that, it was quite interesting to see Hannah doesn't start her prayer by saying, thank God that you've given me a son. She goes ahead firstly to acknowledge that, God, this is who you are. There is no one holy like you. And it's interesting to try and see where is the place of thanksgiving and the holiness of God. Hannah is convinced that God has been cons consistent. She has been praying to God and she has had an intimate, deep relationship with God. And her walk with God, even in her season of waiting, reminds her this that God is holy, that there is none besides him, that he is the rock, um, which is in his founda her foundation, sorry. Then but later on we see, verse 6, it says, the Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and rises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He sits them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. Then he says, for the foundations of the earth are there, Lords, upon them he has set the world. Then he says he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will he be silent, silenced in darkness. We see Hannah's prayer, her coming to God and acknowledging that, God, this is your gift. But she's more motivated not just by the gift, but she goes back being motivated by the giver of the gift, acknowledging that he is a holy God. He is the rock, and therefore her heart, her heart rejoices in this particular God. To our reflection, I don't know what good gifts and perfect gifts that God has given you. I don't know how the Lord has graciously proven himself faithful in your daily walk with him. I don't know what prayers you made in anguish this year, or probably many, many years ago, and probably you forgot, yet God has proven himself faithful to grant you these requests. Would you choose to go back to him before this year ends and say, Lord, I praise you for being God. 
I praise you for being a consistent, loving, ever-present God who grants us gifts even to us, the undeserving. But probably it's likely that for some of us, the twists and turns of 2023 have caused us to lose our faith or doubt God's everlasting love towards you. Probably 2023 has been a continuation of difficult times, difficult moments of waiting. Probably you still have questions within and you ask yourself then, what shall I do? Is God worthy of worship? Should I, should I just coast through 2024? Should I, what then should I do in view of what 2023 has been? My response to you would be this. Rest in the assurance that he will be with you in 2024. Rest in the assurance that God is with you. Psalms 48 scripture will remind us that God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Psalms 23 will remind us that he is the good shepherd. But again, something also happens to another king, as we will later see, as we see in 2 Chronicles 20, 1 to 12. We see King Jehoshaphat finding himself in a precarious situation. There is a looming war coming onto his way. The Moabites and the Ammonites have ganged up against him. And there is a prayer that he makes that I hope would be an encouragement to you, you who is in that difficult pain point, you who is caught between a rock and a hard place and you're asking yourself, God, where am I? What then should I do? In 2 Chronicles 20, this is what it says from verses 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites came, uh, the, sorry, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the, those guys came to make war on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is, it is already in Hezeron, Tama, that is in Gedi. Um, verse 3 says, alarmed, other versions would say afraid, Jehoshaphat resolved to do what? To inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed what? A fast for all Judah. The first thing that we see, we see that when he was afraid as a king, he did what? Chose to inquire of who? Inquire of the Lord. Then the second thing that also happens is that the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in, in, in the front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Then you lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will do what? You will hear us and save us. Then verses 10, he says, but now here are men from where? Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you will not allow Israel to do what? To invade when they came from Egypt. He goes ahead and reminds, he starts by saying, God, this is who you are. Secondly, these guys are attacking us, but back, back, back then, God hindered them from attacking these guys. And therefore, it feels like we did the right thing. We stood by your word, but here they are attacking us. Again, he goes ahead to say, uh, so, so they turned away from them and did not do what? They did not destroy them. The Israelites 
chose not to destroy them as an obedience to what God had told them. Then in verses 11, he says, see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Then verses 12 says, O our God, will you not judge them? Again, going ahead and lamenting, God, where is your justice? These guys are attacking us. We didn't attack them when probably we had the opportunity to. We obeyed you. We spared them. But here they are repaying us for the good that we did. Then he makes this prayer. For we, ha we, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. He says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Something interesting about this king he goes ahead and acknowledges that, firstly, God, this is who you are, that you are the God of our fathers and that you rule over the kingdoms. He is consumed by the idea of who God is. Amidst this um, surprise attack by these guys, he doesn't fall into a particular scenario of trying to come up with uh, strategies. We don't see him thinking of, hey, 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 guys, 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 generals, gather around, let's have a dark ops codename in Gedi project. But he decides in that state of him being afraid, what does he do? He inquires of the Lord. He prays. And then when he asks this question, Lord, we do, not we do not know what to do, he says, but our eyes are upon you. And later on, what does God do? In verses 13, we see all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon um, Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Beniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathiana, a Levite and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. Then he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. And he says, tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them there, you will find them, and at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerulel, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and do what? See the deliverance of the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. And then it repeats again: do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with what? The Lord will be with you. I don't know whether this story resonates with you. A state whereby you do not know where to look, you do not know what to do, and you are confused and, in one way or another, unable to face 2024. This particular prayer reminds us one particular thing, that even in moments when we are afraid of the uncertainty of the future, we have one who we can put our eyes onto. He says this, my eyes are upon you. And I don't know whether you are anxious, far removed from what God is doing. Um, probably your soul is downcast because of the looming present reality. Probably you are doubtful whether God is good, whether he's merciful, whether he's kind, whether he's going to answer your prayer. Here stands a sure response to you, that though you do not know what to do, gaze your eyes on him who knows all things. That particular person is God. Gaze your eyes on who is that being who is sovereign, who is kind, who is merciful, who does all things, who holds the foundations of this world. Look one more time on him and wait patiently on him. For he will produce something, and, and that something could be faith, could be endurance, could be joy. But one thing is certain, 
We do not know what to do, but our eyes will do what? Will stay on him. And my prayer for you is that you will trust and stand on the promises of God, that he cares, that he will never leave you, and trust that he will provide grace and strength to you. I don't know where you, you featured in the three categories. Probably the first category, and you're here, you're grateful, burst forth to God in thanksgiving. Probably you're there in that second category, not knowing what to do, and it almost feels like it's been a flat year without any exploits. Look harder and see the, the goodness of God through the mundane or the obvious activities of life. But should you be in the last category, grappled or rather confused by the happenings of 2024, look forward with hope and let your eyes be fixated on God who loves you best. And therefore, in conclusion, only those who put their trust in Jesus can fully and truly rejoice. Only those who put their trust in Jesus can fully and truly pray continually. Only those who have placed their trust in Jesus can give thanks in all circumstances, seeing God at work, seeing Jesus as the perfect gift for our redemption and forgiveness, and resting in God's eternal promise that even though all may not seem right in 2024, there lies a blessed hope. A blessed hope that an eternal hope has been created for us, and that is heaven for all who believed. It's likely that you're here and you decided to end the year with God. You decided to come to church today and you said, my life has been a wreck. I have lived for self-sin and self-gratification. Probably you came today hoping that you'd end the year with God, knowing full well that I know, or probably you know that you didn't quite live your life for the glory of God. In fact, your year was probably marked by utter disobedience, sin, and rebellion. We thank God that you're here. We sincerely thank God that you came to him. And we sincerely thank God for you that he has shown his goodness and mercy to you, even in your rebellion, sin, guilt, and disobedience. Yet, our hope is that though you'd want to thank him fully, you stand disconnected from him. Having not submitted to him, you come with thanks, but yet not fully accepted. The greatest thing and the greatest act of gratitude you could give God today, the greatest thing you could ever do as you end this year, would be to come to him and submit your life to Christ. To say that, oh Lord, here I am. Thank you for how you've been faithful to me, but I have been unfaithful and I desire to have a perfect relationship with you. And probably if you're there, do not, be, do not hesitate. At the end of the sermon, we'll be right here just to pray with you. And our hope is that this 31st, 2023, 31st December 2023 would be a year that will remind you that you submitted yourself to Christ. And therefore, to the rest of us, as the year ends and the dawn of a new year begins, here is my prayer for you. May you see God at work, growing in the knowledge of his will, bearing fruit in every good work, and may you choose to rest. Rest in the assurance that he's a dependable, loving God who loves you. It's a wrap. 2023 is over. Wishing you all a happy new year under God's sovereign everlasting love and care. Happy new year, 2024.